Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jared McGreer. This week's guest is Terribly Much. Uh, Terribly Much is a person who's found Bloodborne, fell in love with the world, and just sort of immersed herself into this. Uh, We talk about online experiences. We talk about um, the kind of casualness of the co-op and how that can be uh, a lot of fun and very relaxing and uh and we get into a little bit of dark souls as well but mostly as as is common for this podcast lately it's mostly bloodborne so without further ado enjoy the episode was um i don't remember when it was before bloodborne came out i mean i kind of heard of the souls games but i never really um had an opportunity to play them or really sought them out because the only thing i ever heard about them was that they were difficult I, not like anything else that was just like it and so every once in a while that would pass my line of view and i'd be like oh okay and then i would just kind of move on but i remember it was pretty late at night and i forgot exactly where I was browsing, but I saw concept artwork from when it was, I believe, still in development and not quite out yet. And I remember looking at it and thinking, this looks special. This looks like something I really need to um, kind of sink my claws into when it finally comes out. And then it came out and I did not have like a PS4. I found out it was an exclusive. <laughs> and some some more time passed and I was telling a friend of mine kind of about this because she actually owned one and she was like oh well we'll we'll make a day of it so it was actually me my sister and my friend we had one day where we made um just kind of a game day where we made a lot of food and we took turns trying to play through it and it was (laughs) quite an interesting experience because i had never really played anything like it before and then I remember we had like a little walkthrough with us because we did not know what was going on or what was happening. (laughs) And like during the whole day, we made it to the cathedral ward. Like we just got through the door and everybody's like, okay, that's it. And I was like, oh, well, all right. It was a very interesting experience because I kept mixing the buttons up. I think I like threw a bunch of Molotovs at Gilbert's house accidentally. Oh, no. Um, Poor Gilbert. (laughs) I know. He was my favorite NPC. And I was like, oh, no, because he actually commented on it, which I was not (laughs) expecting. And it was just I really liked it. And I was just totally enchanted with this thing because it was it wasn't like anything I'd seen before. Uh, What kind of games were you playing at the time? I think at that time it was mostly um, just just Fallout. Okay, cool. A lot of the things that I do play are, are horror. And so there was like that slight tinge of that too. And of course that nice um, Victorian-esque feel that it has. Mm-hmm. And it actually took me a year later till I was actually able to uh, buy a PS4 with my tax return. I was like, oh, yeah, I can get Bloodborne now. And so I bought that and then I just kind of took off (laughs) it was all over with at that point right oh yeah i think that's um that is the like one game that i constantly play like you know you get home for work you run around for an hour or two and then you come back to it the next day and um the big thing i think one of that that keeps me coming back is the uh the Mm co-op like that is primarily what i do if it's not just me walking around looking at the scenery 
What uh, like so you have? I'm guessing that you have a couple of builds that are like in various spots in the game, so that you can just load up, ring your bell, and get summoned and, and help somebody go kill a boss. Well, with builds, um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm that experimental. As mm-hmm. I said, it was my first um experience there, and I'm very, very much like routine. So I basically just have a strength build for everyone with the same weapon. But um, and that's kind of what I find very, very nice about it is that you can have all these different builds and you're still going to be able to get through the game. You really only need to do um, like four things, you know, at a dodge, shoot, uh, hit, and then heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And as long as you've got that, even if like you don't load anything else, if you have your timing right, you can pretty much get through the whole thing. And I mean, um, I actually have gotten into this habit where I don't use guns at all. To not, to not parry or anything like that, or just go into a straight melee? I never really figured out um, the timing to it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the um, as I said, uh, once again, the first one, I um, didn't know what Blood Tinge was. I did not actually know what most of the stats were. So I was like, oh, um, well, we'll try this or we'll try this. But I remember like firing a gun for the first time, and my thought process was, well, that didn't do much. And then it just didn't use because I didn't know what pairing was. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not, I don't think that's your fault for not knowing what blood tinge is. Like I, even as somebody who had played a bunch of souls games, loading up bloodborne for the first time and looking at the stats, I was like blood tinge. Like what the heck, what does that even mean? Like, what is that? Is that like the, is that going to be the trap stat of bloodborne? But uh, no, you know, it's actually fairly useful if you can actually build for it. But yeah, it's starting out. It's like, what the hell does this even mean? Oh yeah. It was, um, an interesting experience when I finally figured out what that was. And so I tried it out a few times and I'm like, I don't know. I just put all of my like time learning how to dodge really well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of what I've built off of. And yeah, I mean, I've I've gone and I've played some of the other ones. I played through three a few times, but Bloodborne mm-hmm. is kind of the one that really, really caught my attention there. What do you think it is about Bloodborne that keeps pulling you back in? As far as mechanics go, one that really, um, I really really like is being able to rally. Mm-hmm. Because you can actually like build um, your tactics in a situation about, oh, I'm going to get hit a few times. But I can automatically get that back if I'm aggressive enough or if I'm in the right place or if, you know, in certain stages of, um, what do you call it, the, the heavy charge attacks, you can still get hit, but you can still go through with your attack. So you can actually plan around that. And I kept forgetting about that in Dark Souls. And so I just keep <laughs> um, accidentally getting myself killed. Oh, I did that in Dark Souls 3 a lot after playing so much Bloodborne and then going to that game. I was like, oh, crap, I don't I don't actually get healed from this. I need I'm being stupid right now. What am I doing? <laughs> exactly. And if I, and then I just be like, oh, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't happen. And I think another big part of it is like. I like the Hunter X. I remember the first time we played through, you know, as a group, we got the, the saw cleaver, which, you know, has its uses. It's a pretty good weapon, but it um you know, it didn't feel right in my in my hands. And then when I played through by myself, I picked the axe, which is the one I wanted in the first place. And just like the array of attacks it has is pretty much ideal for... It's got like the wide sweeps. You can keep people at a distance, especially since I didn't know about parrying. And so I just rely pr- pr- primarily on rolls mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think that's... A, I remember going through... A, dark souls three and picking up pretty much every weapon i could get my hands on and using it was like it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me 
I ended up with, I don't know, a very, very big cleaver. I think I grabbed off of somebody in an undead, in the undead settlement. Yeah, that um, sounds probably about right. Yeah, I can see that. I think that's the one I went through the whole thing with. Because it was just the one that was leveled up the most. Not to mention, um, I don't know what a lot of the materials are supposed to do in the third game. Or in the the others, too. I don't think I finished Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. I know I have it. <laughs> How long, um, you know, playing Bloodborne for the first time, uh, when you had your first kind of proper sit-down with it, uh, Obviously, that that learning curve is there, as you mentioned, like trying to learn your timing and when to hit and when to dodge and things like that. Do you? How long do you think it took you to kind of come to terms with the controls and and really have like now that I'm sure now like you have or you're pretty comfortable with it? Like, how long did that process take? I want to say about a month or so. Was it ever super frustrating for you? No, not really. I don't get frustrated very easily. Um, Actually, I actually uh, find it. quite amusing if ever i mess up too badly um because it, it is a very trial and error kind of experience and there's always something you can learn from every mistake you make so um you know you go through again it's like okay i know what to do now or um especially with you go through the first time and the very first time i didn't pair up with anyone because i was way too nervous um i worried a lot about whether or not i'd actually be useful in a fight Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I was like, well, okay, we'll, we'll try it out in the, the Chalice Dungeons. We'll see how that goes. And that was quite a nice experience. I really like the, this um, Freda Co-op because I don't really have to talk with anyone, which is like with a lot of older games that I used to play, that was kind of the thing. If you played online, you'd have to be able to communicate verbally with everyone, which is not something I'm really good at to begin with. And also, um, I'd like heard a lot of horror stories from my uh, female friends about being online and going doing co-op and stuff like that with just like people that were awful towards them. And like the, this voice you hear now, this has only like existed for the last five uh, nine months. And so I had like that very high feminine voice, and I was like, well, I, I don't really want to venture out into that, but this. This was a very comfortable experience, and you know, you, all of the gestures, and even if you don't have gestures, the way that you can sometimes, um, you know, convey stuff to each other. Like my my favorite one is somebody shows up um, for the first time, and you uh, spin in a circle, and they spin in a circle, and that's just like a, a weird form of hello, or also used <laughs> in victory, especially with people that don't know how to use gestures yet. Mm-hmm. It, it took me a while to, to figure out those, too. And I only recently um, figured how to do them without having to pull the menu up every time. Because I, I finally looked it up. Because, you know, you pull up the menu and it shows you the things on it. Like the different gestures. Mm-hmm. And then... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, it's, it's well, one of those it shows, things... It shows you them. Yeah, it shows you the, the, the gestures. But, like, I would always do them by accident. Like, I would accidentally be pressing X and, like, move my hands. And all of a sudden, my dude, like, it's in the middle of a boss fight. Like, um, you know, making contact all of a sudden. I'm like, what the hell? What did I just do? How do, how do I stop this from <laughs> happening? Yeah, I think I've, I've only had the unfortunate nature of, do, of doing that once. And I think it was uh, against ROM. I just randomly like bowed and then I was killed by spiders. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I was going somewhere with this. What was it? Oh, yes. I learned how to do them by moving the controller, but my controller doesn't respond the easiest way, so I accidentally hit my cat the first time. <laughs> Poor kitty. <laughs> oh, he's fine. It surprised him, though, and I was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. But I still pull it up on occasion because I don't always remember the position they are. Mm-hmm. How much... Uh co-op would you say you do in the game like just in general like you, you mentioned like coming home from work and kind of decompressing with bloodborne is that pretty much what you're doing just reading your bell and getting summoned for bosses yes uh or sometimes you know you go into the the chalice dungeons with those i can kind of give or take you kind of really have to be in the mood for it mm-hmm. but um it's often easier to find someone at the very beginning and they just like just run through the whole thing with them or you can um you know ring the bell start going through the dungeon and then it's uh try to find them if you actually get called in which has uh, made some interesting situations like i was in the room with the lever and i got called into somebody else's game and i was right in front of the lever and so i uh, immediately turned it and then like a few seconds later it's like um the summoner has started final boss battle i was like oh no i gotta get over there <laughs> and so like i showed up and i like did the final hit but it was <laughs> it was a very interesting experience because and then everybody waved to me anyway which is which was nice because i felt like i came in a bit too late the um the real kind of anonymous style of summoning and co-op in bloodborne i think really works for a lot of people because you're not it doesn't feel as as it doesn't feel as intense as like you know getting into a party with a group of people that know what they're doing like this feels almost like oh you're in the same situation i am like you need help and i want to help too and it, it makes it for uh, makes more of a uh, bonding experience, I think, whether it's with the game or with the players or, you know, just uh, just the, the way that everybody can communicate but not really communicate is really, really nice. Like it really just works for the game. It does. I love it a lot. And I, I do a lot of co-op and a lot of places where I kind of park myself are by the the Bloodstar Beast, mm-hmm. which was the one that actually gave me the most trouble. The first time I went through, I don't know how many times I went up against it. And I was like, well, we'll try again some other day. And um, I really like this boss for the reason that it's it's kind of where things kind of like snapped into place. Like you can go through some things a few times and but you don't really understand why they're working or how. It's, I believe they call it playing with intentionality. It's not just you going in there and waving around a, an axe until something dies. It's about being able to actually see what you're doing and can make a plan of attack. And I didn't quite grasp that with everything, but I remember I was in the middle of that, that, that battle and something just kind of clicked. It was like, Oh, I'm not thinking about this correctly. And and now I can go into that fight and I'm never hit. Well, <laughs> most of the time I'm never hit. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really do like about this game that I don't think I've quite had with others. It's just that, that point where everything just like falls together and you know exactly what you've been doing wrong. And sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's um, you're not reading something right. But um, and, I, and I really do enjoy going through and helping other people. And that helped me get better because the point is that you're not the important party there. And you don't have as much to lose. You're free to take more risks. Um, try more things out. And um, I mean, I die before the end. Um, I do feel... 
that is a success if it looks like they're going to succeed because that's that's kind of the point of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just really like that feeling, especially if you get a message that somebody saying, "Oh, that that boss is very very hard. I couldn't get through it," and it'd be like, "Oh, no problem. That's it, it's just a a positive thing." And I very very much like it. And I <laughs> I remember this this one instance where I was uh, helping people with uh, Lawrence. And it was just me um, and like five other people constantly rotating rotating in and out of each other's games, just going up <laughs> against him. And like I die and be like, "Oh man, they were almost there." And then I was like, "Well, I'll try another round." And I come back and they're there. It's like, "Oh, we got you too." <laughs> <laughs> you have that remarkable experience of um, like this has happened to me in Souls and, and Bloodborne, where uh, you stick around an area for so long, being summoned, that you recognize the other people that are also doing the same thing you are. So it's like, oh, I, I recognize you. We, we killed Lawrence like two, two, two sessions ago. I'm like, <laughs> let's go help this dude now. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun, and I, and I like. Um, I think there are some battles where it's easier to get people to pair up. Um, than others, I don't know. I usually don't find a lot of people for. Um, who's the first boss again? The big uh, screamy one. Gascoigne. No. Oh, Ludwig. That. Ludwig. Are we talking about in the DLC or? Oh no, you're talking about the cleric beast. I'm sorry, I, I got there. Cleric beast. That's. Yeah. It. I was like, I I know it didn't have like a person name, but uh, <laughs> I don't usually f- find people for that one. But that's not too much of a problem, I think. But you you remember when it when it first came out um, for free like last year when they offered it for free and we had like there was like a huge torrent of new people oh yeah mm-hmm. that that was great I ran into some very interesting sites there uh, one was against the cleric beast but they um, they were still in the first set of clothes and were using their fists so I'm I was curious about whether or not this was a new person or if this was just someone being very very ambitious. <laughs> Someone taking on a lot for themselves going through this challenge run. Yeah. <laughs> Which um you can do. That's always like a challenge I like to do in the beginning is to see how far I can get using just my fists before something finally kills me. Yeah, that's always fun. I, I did. I, I try to do that when I start new builds, and it, it never lasts for very long. Like it's just, it's just really hard to to get through stuff without. It's really hard to kill stuff. It's pretty easy to run past stuff, but it's really hard to kill stuff. Oh yeah, especially that. Actually, the wolf in the beginning isn't that much of a problem now. Yeah, he's not very scary. Everybody else, though. <laughs> do you do any sort of challenge runs, or does that kind of go against the the kind of um, calming nature of the game? Um, I wouldn't say, really. I mean, that that's probably the extent of it. I did see once if I could um, kill Mikolash by just punching him. Um, did it work? It took forever, but it worked, <laughs> especially since you're in like his boss arena so long that um, the the two other enemies in there just respawn and then you got, got to get rid of them or else they're a big problem. It oh, took geez. me forever, but I felt very accomplished at the end. <laughs> I don't think I've got any footage from that one, though. I think that might have been one I accidentally deleted to the uh, the last few uh, episodes of this podcast that I've recorded, and probably the episodes leading up to this one being released, have been full of uh, Miko Lash fans. So I'm glad to, to get some balance to the scales and just have someone on the podcast that just beat him beat him all to hell with his fist. So <laughs> it's all about balance. It's all about keeping <laughs> keeping you know multiple opinions out there. But it's just you think about it like um, 
once I took the audio off for the battle, and it's just so ridiculous. I'm like, this, this Rob, this, this has no dignity. There's no <laughs> dignity here on anybody's part. Who do you think and, your um, uh, favorite boss would be in, in Bloodborne? It would be the Bloodstarved Beast. That that one I very much love. My favorite monster, kind of just in general, would be Rom, mm-hmm. who um, I actually my sister made me a birthday cake shaped like her last year. What? That's awesome. Yeah. If you have a uh, if you, you have pictures have of seen... that, share it, and I'll put it in the show notes if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, they're um, floating around on Tumblr too because my sister posted them, I posted them, but it's just uh, Rom uh, made out of cake on a like a little platter with um. I think another two fondant spiders. Nice. Smaller ones. But she's very good at it, and she makes me video game theme cakes on my birthday. <laughs> we, we make each other's for each other's birthdays, but she's the one with the cake talent. I try my best, but... I've got a, uh, I've got a friend. Not where my artistic endeavors lie. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a friend that does uh, like really beautiful cakes and stuff for um that's kind of a side job and it's just it was like I, i've all, I've always known him from playing video games and playing bloodborne or dark souls and stuff like that so one day he was just like yeah look at this cake i made and it was like a great british bake-off quality cake and i was like what are you what where did this come from how is this possible <laughs> <laughs> but uh speaking of one thing that i do and i'm I have like a big folder of stuff that I move over is that I catalog all of the glitches that I run into Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm kind of looking for all of the places where I can fall through the map. So this is uh, like, what is your process for determining this? Do you, do you just try to go to each spot and just try to like break the geometry as much as possible? Kind of Um, because there there are spaces where you look like I spend a lot of time looking at the scenery and, um, you find areas where they're like, hmm, maybe I could jump over there. They probably haven't navmeshed the other side. So, like, I was up in just Murgo's loft. I'm just leaping over all the things I could, and I found one. And the thing is, when you fall through, you can still see all the rocks around you. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty cool looking. Um, I'm not sure why I started doing that. Probably because I just had such a big uh, glitch folder. And I think, yeah, the one I think that I posted that's getting the most notes is um, Tomb Prospector Olek traps me in the doorway with, um, the, you know, the, uh, what's that big fire dog called? Uh, the Watchdog Fire Dog? Yeah, the watch. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Watchdog. The Watchdog is, you know, like the flames are going up. It's um, getting ready to charge, and it's just me stuck in the doorway, and he's just like... Ru- <laughs> running at me and then you can kind of see the moment where i'm like well okay because i just stopped moving and then the dog charges and um just like knocks oleg out of the way and then i'm able to proceed with the battle but um i think part of what amuses me like that is this is just feels like such a finely tuned game that i can't help but be endlessly amused when something goes wrong um like somebody falls through the floor or i've had i had a battle i think it might have been lag but it was against ludwig where he would just like stop moving he was was great because it was in his second phase which is the hardest for me that is yeah that's strange i was watching a friend yesterday she's going through um uh, she's doing a blood level six run and uh Mm -hmm. she's just trying she's stuck on ludwig i think she's been stuck there for four days and she's just about to scream (laughs) she's so frustrated she can get to she can get to phase two without using any blood vials and then once she gets to phase two it's like she can just get one shot and it's really frustrating because that's a long fight 
yeah, especially at a plus six. I, I think I'm still at three, but um, yeah, I think I was just hanging around Margo's loft. Mm-hmm. I don't um, kill the bell ringer. I usually don't go up against against Murgo's wet nurse a lot because I like to hang around there because I'm not very um, interested in fighting other, you know, like human players. Mm-hmm. That's not really where, where my interests lie. But every once in a while, you're like, well, let's give it a try. And so I hang around there until somebody shows up. And I like that spot because it's flat. And um, there is kind of this expectation that um, the person that invades kind of knows that you weren't purposefully seeking for one. And so they, I've seen some pretty wild stuff happen in other people's matches that I unfortunately can't quite name right now. But yeah, there's always like that designated, designated spot where people like meet up. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where what you're nice talking about. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because sometimes, you know, that ends up in the nightmare frontier and I, I hate fighting people in the nightmare frontier because of all the weird little um, obstructions in the ground that trap you it's uh to make that the pvp zone and then to have uh have it the geometry be what it is seems it's just i don't i don't think from software has ever really enjoyed making these games into pvp <laughs> like i kind of feel mm-hmm. like especially with bloodborne i almost feel like the whole pvp system it was just added on at the last minute and uh like it just feels like that that was them like okay well if you guys if you fuckers want it you fuckers get it and i like, just put it in the worst area of the game <laughs> The Nightmare Frontier is one of those areas that I wish was just like so much bigger because that's one of my favorite areas to kind of explore and poke around in. And there is this one spot where you're near the Winter Lantern where you're standing kind of like at this little precipice and you look over that big uh, misty field and you have the uh, the ships, the ship masts just coming out of the fog. Mm-hmm. And, and I just remember standing there thinking, I want to go down there. I want to see what's further in that area and something that i was actually um thinking about the other day and so i did a a bit of a partial run through because you know it was a saturday i had nothing better to do Um, i went through rather quickly and noticed that every time you seem to enter a new area there's just like this beautiful vista shot of you know whatever new place you're entering on and the one that i love the most is uh, one of the nightmare churches and then you go through the tunnel and then it opens up and you see the second church and you can hear the bells chime and it's absolutely beautiful moments like that really just make you want to explore like kind of every part of the map and, and figure out and try to like ask yourself like why did they put this here what meaning does it have at least it does for me oh, yeah my favorite part is the um my favorite place is the upper part of the research lab oh yeah absolutely like the very very top and the sound design i finally bought a um what do you call them adapters i bought an adapter so i could finally you know like use these big fancy headphones my family got me a few years ago and it was just such a remarkable experience to go through it again being able to actually hear all of the details that i couldn't hear the first time hearing hearing bloodborne like that like in and full surround sound is is really special i remember I, I got a like a one of those sony headset things and um they have like a an app on the ps4 and it was like here's the bloodborne setting for these headphones and i was like well this is dope <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> but yeah going through the research hall and like hearing all the plip plops and uh just the monsters screaming at you from all around you is it's kind of terrifying it's a it's a scary experience 
I do like this the, the the fact though that the one with the uh, the IV thing um, won't attack you if you just walk slowly by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's kind of like these these weird little quirky details. They like um, I was thinking about um, what was I thinking about the other day? The amygdala, the amygdala fight. It's like you've got this creature with so many arms, and yet it can't reach between its legs <laughs> because it was just me. Because the second it used to give me a lot of trouble, uh, especially if I'd solo it, because that's another one I don't always find people for is uh, the amygdala fight. And so the second phase, it, it rips two of its arms off, and then I just found it if I stand between its legs and just wait, stand perfectly still when it jumps and just like hit the tail, then it can't reach me at all. And it's such a, a satisfying experience. It's it's like standing above you, just like pounding the ground furiously with all of its arms, and I don't have to move at all. <laughs> It probably looks ridiculous from a distance. Not at all. Not at all. That fight is uh, really interesting because I feel like in the in the main game, it's almost of a pushover of a fight. Like it's not it's not particularly difficult, and then you get to the defile chalice, and it's just a one hundred foot tall brick wall that you have to climb slowly but surely with your fingernails to get over. <laughs> Do you spend time in the in those kind of extra difficult chalice dungeons, like the the, the defiled ones or the other ones past that? Well, on occasion, um, sometimes I like it when people post like it's like, oh, I found this real wild one and then I can go run around in it because um, the ones that you kind of have to go through. I think after a while you're like, well, I might as well might, might as well see if I've missed anything from before. And you usually don't. And by the time I get around to them in my playthroughs, I'm so ridiculously overpowered for the first few that it's kind of boring. Yeah. I uh, I've done those 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 quote unquote story chalices so often now that I just kind of have them all memorized and it's mm-hmm. just a all I'm doing is running through and grabbing uh, materials and to make the next one so that I could just finally go make the random ones that I want to go make and explore and have fun with. Yeah, I kind of wish there was a bit more variety too. I mean, there's some things that I really like about them. I really like the uh, the Lauren ones mm-hmm. and just the, that uh, that that deserty vibe. And all of those beasts down there, because uh, this, my secondary weapon is the uh, Whirligig Saw. Hell yeah. And I get a lot of use of it from, from it down there. <laughs> I love that saw yeah, so I've much. Built my, it's so good. Most of my characters are just like these glass cannons. And um, it is kind of interesting. Like if, if somebody does go against you in uh, in PvP, that... Um, you hit them once, then you can take away over half their health sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of back up for a moment. Like they weren't quite expecting that. Because that's pretty much where all of my skill points went for the first few. I evened out a little bit in the second one because I usually use my uh, Quicksilver bullets just for the uh, choir bell. And just kind of like an extra form of healing if I need it in certain circumstances. And then I learned it cured, cured poison. Which is also very useful. The choir especially cures poison? Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it cures poisoning. Okay, cool. I learn something so new every day, I guess. Yeah, because I usually, um, like, the Bloodstar Beast is a big one to go through because I know a lot of people have trouble with that. Mm-hmm. And that's one that I'm really, really good at. And so it's more useful to kind of take that in than an antidote because um, it'll also, you know, the health and also the uh, the poison. So it, it's it's a nice double combo there. Sure, yeah. 
it's um it's interesting to me. I, I hardly ever hear about people using the choir bell. Um, I, and maybe I just don't ask that question. Like I don't go detailed enough in the podcast sometimes. But uh, it's like I, I, I just, it's one of those things that I just always forget exist. <laughs> like I just never remember that it even that I even have it. Yeah, there's um, some weapons that I don't think I've ever really used, but then I never really had the stats that were big enough. Like, I usually only do, um, I think it's arcane you have to get high enough to use the choir bell, just as, not, but no, as much as I need to to use that, and then I just don't touch that stat again. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 switch gears a little bit. We've been talking about Bloodborne mm-hmm. for quite some time. I know you've put some time into the Dark Souls games. Um, what what kind of experience was it going from the the aesthetic and the mechanics of Bloodborne to a Dark Souls game, which are are, are as much as similar as they are, are have those those differences that really stand out to fans of the series? It felt slower and heavier, and, and that's kind of like the, the first two things that I really noticed. Also, uh, I think one of the first things that, that hit me is like I didn't really like any of the hairstyles very much. I was like, "Well, I'll just put, I'll just put a helmet on. Nobody, nobody'll <laughs> see me." And I didn't know what to name my character at all. So his name is Doug. Nice, Doug the Chosen Undead is is very catchy to me. I like that. Yeah, it was the first name that popped into my mind. I was like, well, it'll, it'll work. And so he's there, and he's got the full Abyss Watcher gear. And I think that's part of what I came back for, because I wasn't as big a fan as I, I think we went through before. I didn't really find a weapon that resonated with me. And I think I got most of them in the game, because I went through it twice, because um, Grey Rat dry, uh, died early, earlier than I wanted him to. And um, I really liked him. <laughs> and so I, I played through a second time just to you know keep him alive and uh, i kept the buttons aren't terribly different but i feel like i made more weird mistakes i i accidentally killed i think two people in the firelink shrine one with just one hit and the second one i just got really aggressive like i'm like oh no i've got to should probably just kill you now um who was it that i accidentally killed first she was the you find her in a cave. Oh, the uh, oh, I don't remember her name, but she's guarded by the big dude with the hammer. Yeah, that looks kind of like a giant vase. Um, yeah, it was her. Uh, I, I, I set down my con- I think that was the one where I set down my controller to grab something and it was on the wrong button. And then it was just like one big heavy um, hit with the cleaver and she was instantly dead. I was like, no, I felt so guilty. And of course, um, with these games, you can't like reload or anything. So I just kind of gave the ashes to the the handmaiden. She was like, these are still warm. And I was like, oh, she knows. <laughs> she knows what I did. Uh, <laughs> do you get as much enjoyment out of the kind of more medieval fantasy aesthetic that Bloodborne has? Or excuse me, that Dark Souls has rather than Bloodborne? Or do you, do you prefer that kind of Victorian-esque it's still, style? It's still very, very beautiful. And I love a lot of the environments. Um, and... Of course, the I'm I'm very very big on kind of like monsters and stuff like that. I I love how they look, how they move, stuff like that. Um, the dancer was probably my favorite, and I really liked that kind of echoing um, step that they gave her when she's moving around the room. I don't know how else to describe it, but I can hear it very clearly. Everything about the dancer is such a it's so weird. Like the animation is interesting, her attacks are interesting, the way she kind of flows 
um, the way that her attack patterns can kind of match up to the the song, so that it's almost like you're like I've had people describe that fight to me as like playing a um, a rhythm game more than playing a Dark Souls game, which I find really interesting. No, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, I'll, uh, um, there's a guest on the show, Theomini, uh, who goes by Diana. Um, her YouTube channel is Cassative. She does a bunch of lore videos mm-hmm. and plays a bunch of like old school from software games. And she's always the the one to be like, yeah, if you can get into the mindset, uh, a lot of the boss's themes will match up with the boss attack. So it's almost like you're doing like a, a one two step or like a like a mini waltz as you're killing you know this giant scorpion lady in Dark Souls two. <laughs> I should probably keep that in mind. I mean, sometimes I think of going back to it. Um, I got stuck on, um, well, I mean, I played through it a few times, but there's one boss I've never been able to get, and it was the Nameless King. Oh, yeah, that dude with the with the, with the yeah, giant that was dragon. <laughs> oh, jeez. I can get to the second stage, and then something goes wrong, and I don't think I've quite figured him out yet. I haven't had that moment where everything just just falls into place. But other I, than that, I'm I had that moment and it was um summoning all of my friends to come help me kill Nameless King. That was when it all clicked for me. <laughs> I cheated my way through that fight and have no 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 regrets. I think um something happens. I didn't do something right. I think the Hawkwood can prevent you from summoning people in, if I'm correct. Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I think that's yeah. what happened. I can't seem to get anyone, and that might be it. So it's just kind of me by myself, and I was determined to beat him on my own uh, because I didn't want to have to go through the game again. Speaking of bosses, I had a weird glitch with the uh, Curse Rod of Greatwood, mm-hmm. or maybe it wasn't quite a glitch. Maybe something wasn't happen right. Um, it was me at a sliver of health. It was him at a sliver of health. And it was just me running around him for 15 minutes, waiting for him to do the attack that would put, like, his last weak point in view. And it's... It was... Um, I liked the music, so there there was that, but after a while... <laughs> it sounds great. Roll over. <laughs> That's funny. Did you... Uh, so, or do you have plans on going to Dark Souls 1 or Dark Souls 2? I think I heard you mention that you, you played a little bit of Dark Souls 2 at least. Like, are, are you Have you tried the remaster out or do you have plans to go back all the way back to Demon Souls or anything? I think I would, I would like to try the others. Um, I know I have two that I want to go back to sometime. I don't remember. Oh yeah, I took it off for a bit because I wanted to play something else and I only had so much room. Um, but yeah, sometimes I want to go back to it. I really want to do the uh, Dark Souls 3 DLC because I see keep seeing pictures of it and I'm like, that looks very cool. But um, it was a bit of a financial thing for a while. You know, you've, you've got your the stuff you already have and you just go through that a lot because you can't really afford anything else at the moment. But um, I think everybody can identify with that. <laughs> Of like, yeah. I have this giant backlog of games, but also my brain wants more new games. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I did enjoy Dark Souls three, not 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 nearly as much as Bloodborne, um, but I, I had a lot of fun, and I do think I'll go back to it again. Do you do the same thing over there with the co-oping? Like, do you spend a lot of time co-oping your favorite bosses? 
I never really got into that with 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 that, and I think it's I didn't really understand quite what was happening for some of it. Like, there's still giant swaths of like the inventory. I'm like, I I don't know what this does. I've never tried it, and then I forget about it, and then I see it in my inventory again. It's like, oh, I don't know what this does, and it's just like a weird cycle of forgetting you have things and then never getting around to using them. And I think do you summon people with a stone? Yeah, use the the soapstone so you can you, you write soapstone. your sign on the ground. Yeah, yeah. which is much different than the Bloodborne system. Yeah, I also didn't know that you, in order for certain things to work, you had to, um, you know, the embers. Mm-hmm. You had to have those. Yeah, if you wanted to be able to summon somebody, you had to be embered up, like you had to be in quote unquote yeah. human form. Yeah, I did not know that for a very long time. <laughs> so. Do you um do you, do you spend any time outside of the game, kind of consuming content for either Bloodborne or Dark Souls? Like, are you watching lore videos? Are you are you reading stuff? Are you uh, like researching the game at all? Oh yeah, I've I've gone through a lot of uh, lore videos. Um, I, I like having them on in the background sometimes if I'm working, and yeah, I do read fan stuff. Uh, I have a Tumblr and there is quite an extensive bloodborne tag of all of my favorite stuff that I've run across. And also some of the, the weird stuff I've posted, which is um, mostly just weird things happening to me. Sure. Yeah. Like glitches and stuff. Mm-hmm. What's your, uh, like what's your like overall favorite, uh, like bloodborne moment? Like would, like, was it that part where, uh, in blood starved beast where it finally clicked or was there like a moment that stands out to you in your, in your brain as being like, this is, this is the thing that I think about when I think about bloodborne. There was this moment, and I forgot exactly which boss it was for, but um, it was during the, the, the free time event where two people came in to help me. And you could tell just kind of by the gear, and just there's this demeanor that you have when you know you're dealing with veterans. And it was all of us like running towards the boss arena and like switching out all of our weapons and clicking them in the, the, the form that we wanted. And it was just this very nice just just feeling of unity and that's one of the big things that i really enjoy about about co-op and stuff like that is just being able to kind of connect with people in this very unique way that um, just kind of just kind of sits with you nice as somebody that's been kind of consuming a lot of the series and who thinks about it a lot and who spends a lot of time in these in these game worlds um what what do you what would you kind of want from from software next? Do you think? Do you think that uh, like Sirico is kind of is going to be in your wild in your wheelhouse? Are you going to buy a PSVR for Daracine or Daracine? Uh or or like what would you or if, if neither of those things like what would be your ideal sequel or not ideal sequel your ideal video game from from software? Well, the thing the thing about um, I, the the first the first game you mentioned there um is the verticalness Mm -hmm. i do wonder like if they had like a bloodborne sequel or something like that with that added like mechanic and i have thought about this in the past when they they first started showing the trailers it's like well what if you know you were also a hunter but you could climb or like, like jump a lot better i mean how how would that change the world how things are designed um in in order to kind of and duracity Mm-hmm. I really like how that looks, but um, I also don't really have funds for any kind of VR thing. <laughs> and so I just kind of look at it from afar. It's like, well, maybe eventually, <laughs> but I, 
that, that that kind of vibe that it does have is um very much something I love too. Like one of my top favorite video games is uh actually Rule of Rose that came out for the uh PS2. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm um, familiar with Rule of Rose. One of my friends did a um a let's play of it, like a live let's play of it. That was the way that I experienced it and um it's such a unique and weird and and spooky game. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and if, if you look at the background work, a lot of the, the like the things they looked into when it comes to like how adults and children interact with the world and the things that they're afraid of, that really shows there. And um, I don't know, just 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 that vibe. And then you see Jurassic, and I was like, well, it, it kind of reminds me of this, and I really like that too. And so eventually, I do want to experience that because I remember seeing it and then VR, and I was like, I don't have that. <laughs> I uh, I just started it uh, yesterday, in fact, and that's pretty much my plan for the rest of the morning. Um, after this, is to go back to it and see how much more I can get into it. And it's it's a unique experience, that's for sure. Like it's it's very strange. Um, as, as someone who's always appreciated like Frum's architectural touches and their their, their world mm-hmm. building and like their environments that they build, being able to see that to scale is extremely strange. <laughs> like usually you're like looking <laughs> over the shoulder of your hunter, right? You're not. It's not a first person kind of thing. Or if it is, like if it's the old Echo Knights or Kingsfield games or Shadow Tower, um, you don't have that sense of scale because the the game worlds aren't just aren't that big. So this has been like a, even just the first hour. I'm like, man, this is crazy weird. <laughs> do you feel like either as a person or as a person who plays video games um, that Bloodborne or Dark Souls has changed you in any kind of way? And if so, how so? I think I'm a bit more bolder when it comes to kind of um, interacting and stuff like that. I told you it took me a very long time to get to um, uh, helping people because I was afraid I wouldn't be of much use. And I'm like, well, I've got nothing better to do. Let's go help people. And I find out that that that, that kind of not incentive, not initiative. I can't think of the word right now. But I do um, feel a lot bolder when it comes to things like that as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't usually have a lot of uh, online interactions. So um, getting the notes from people who are just like thanking me or sometimes even giving me advice on something that I got wrong. Um, I feel a lot more confident when it comes to some online interactions now, which is something I very do like because i think that's expanded things a bit very cool very interesting i'm glad that um more and more as i talk to people about the souls and bloodborne community the more i hear that it's way more accepting and um and nicer than i think that the online than the like marketing materials give a credit for right like it's not full of the get good gamers like i think everybody thinks like it's very much people just want to experience the games with 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 their friends and with everybody so it's it's been kind of nice to hearing that feedback lately why don't you tell us where you can be found on the internet should people want to reach you out? Well, probably the most prominent place you're going to find me and the most interesting content is I have a Tumblr, which is, um, you know, terribly much.tumblr.com. And there is like, it's, it's a mishmash of stuff. Like it's a lot of horror games, but there is quite a bit of Bloodborne because that's still been able to hold my attention after all this time when usually I tend to move on to other stuff. But yeah, there's, that's where I post all of all the stuff. Cool. Well, uh, thank you very much for guesting and for coming on the podcast this morning. I very much appreciate it. This has been an absolute treat and an absolute delight. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don't give up skeleton.com. 
That has links to the Patreon if you want to support the show directly. It has links to uh, the merchandise if you want to put a skelly on your belly or a skelly on a pillow or a skelly on a sticker. That is where to go to get it. Um, it also has links to all the previous episodes if you want to go back and listen to your favorites again. Um, thank you, everybody, who's been leaving iTunes reviews. That's really nice and really appreciated and helps the show out quite a bit. Uh, we'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, don't give up, Skeleton. And we're good. Oh, good. That was great. Thank you. That was that was that was so much fun. I don't, I don't think